Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj. All right, welcome to Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor. I'm your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you are having an amazing day so far. Today, we have an awesome guest. She has over 20 years speaking internationally, as well as in executive coaching. She's also a mindset and marketing expert, and she works with small business owners to help them understand digital marketing and automation so that they can regain the freedom and profits that they went into business to discover. And she's also the host of the Business Ownership Podcast. So let's welcome Michelle Nedelik. How are you doing today, Michelle? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. I'm super excited. Uh, great to have you on. So, Michelle, let's get started by asking you to uh, please share your story. How did you get started in becoming an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur? Oh, that was way back when. <laughs> so, we'll I, uh, I was 23 years old, went up to the North Pole to visit Santa, stopped yeah. a little bit south of that and decided to start not one, but three businesses. Mm-hmm. So I was in Inuvik in the Northwest Territories. I started a bed and breakfast, an electronic store, and a tanning salon with my partner at that time. And uh, I learned a ton about business, <laughs> marketing, and all sorts of fun stuff. That was my foray into it. I loved it. And, you know, if I left entrepreneurialness, it was only temporarily. And inevitably, they fired me. My sister fired me. <laughs> I made a terrible employee. I'm a much better entrepreneur and a business owner in helping people run their businesses. Okay, so at age 23, you work in three different businesses, bed and breakfast, uh, signing salon, and one more. And that was how you got your electronics. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, and that's the thing. There are many different ways of being an entrepreneur. And it's not just one different type of business. There are many different businesses that allow you to be an entrepreneur. So I guess you realize from that that you really were, your heart was really more being an entrepreneur than being a regular employee. You found that you were much better at being that than working for someone else. So um, after those, how long did you work in those three businesses? Uh, not long, unfortunately. My spouse and I did not get along at all, uh, which was kind of crazy. Uh, we made better business partners than we did life partners. Uh, so I I walked away from that about a year and a half later, which was kind of crazy. Uh, poor guy, I still feel bad for him, but we get along now, so it's okay. Uh, it, it wasn't so much the longevity of that business so much as it was what I learned. So one example of it is the, the electronic store. I had a meeting with the BDC or the lenders and understanding kind of, they were asking me, well, what are your profit margins? What are you expecting to do for revenue? You know, all the standard business kind of questions. I'm like, I have no clue. I've never run a business before. I've never run an electronic store before. And it was interesting to me how how much the it was dependent on the vision of me as opposed to the numbers or the breakdown of the business. And that still applies. And I think it's important for entrepreneurs to understand that it is business is kind of half science of the math of the numbers. And the more you understand the numbers, the more uh, solid of a mindset you can have. And <laughs> it really is the other half is that vision and the the aspirations and the the art of business, if you will. And you really do want to have a perfect marriage between the two so that uh, you're, you're not lopsided. You can 
kind of carry your left brain, right brain through the whole thing. Yeah, so basically you're saying is we need to use both parts of our brain because use the uh we gotta have the visions and the aspirations married to the numbers. You gotta crunch your numbers and know your numbers, but at the same time, you gotta have a vision for your business. Because they say, man, when our vision will perish. So we're gonna perish if we don't know have a vision for our business. So I think that's something you learned early on. And I guess that's one thing when you're dealing with your clients, you have you you, you that's probably one of the first questions you ask them is do you have what vision do you have for your business? What goals do you have? What do you where do you see yourself one year from now, correct? Absolutely. And that becomes paramount to where somebody can grow to, because if they're looking at their current situation, what they have in their bank at this moment and kind of how much money is coming in, it limits them in their ability to be able to grow the business and to be able to see what it can do and where it can go to fruition. Whereas if we take off those blinders and say, okay, yes, but if you could be anywhere a year from now or five years from now, where would you like to be? What might that look like? And let's just start playing with no blinders and seeing how we might be able to reverse engineer that plan so that we can put in the pieces into place that are the revenue generating activity that are the big money builders, the big intakes and growths that somebody might not even be looking at right now. It's like, if they have a business and we're like, well, what if you did an event, what would that do for your leads and your opportunities and all those things. And they're like, event, why would I do an event? How can I do an event? <laughs> like, well, let me tell you. And let's see how much fun we can have with this. Because it's those kind of ideas that meld in with your vision and where you want to get financially that then allow you to make decisions based on where you're going to be as opposed to solely where you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, because, you know, one of the things you also teach people is, is mindset. I think that fits in because with your subconscious mind is a lot of times people only see this is where I have, this is what I have. I only have this amount of money. I can't, I can't see myself as a six, seven, eight figure business because I have limited resources. But if you get to get them to start dreaming big, saying, where do you see yourself three years from now, five years on? How would it feel to have this, this, and this? And then, you know, you work, not only you're working those plans, but you, it's working on the subconscious mind. And when, when you give the subconscious mind these goals, these visions, it can, and these specific things that you want, it can start working on helping you get there as well. And a lot of times, too many people is, uh, I don't know, it was Michelangelo who said it. It's like, the problem is not that uh, we, we shoot for big goals and misses, that we shoot for small goals and we hit it. Uh, we shoot for very, very small goals and we hit it, but we're not going anywhere with our lives. We're not happy. But when you're shooting for the big goals, you may not always reach it, but you do a lot more when you're shooting for a big goal. Even if you fall short, but you, you did a hell of a lot more than if you just set yourself a small goal. So, so you give them this big vision, they look at it, I think it, it, I'm sure they're amazed after working with a couple of years saying, well, I never, I never imagined I could do this. Is that what you find happening with a lot of your clients? Absolutely. It, it does because they're, they've been operating from a certain set of confined rules and regulations. And then when we come along, we can exponentially grow their business and, and get done things that have taken them six months, three years to do. And we're getting them done in a month. And it's like, okay, now what? They're like, what? <laughs> you can get that done. I'm like, yeah. I'll oftentimes be able to say, oh yeah, well, I'll start working with you when I get my website done. I'm like, whoa, stop, wait. What are you what are you working on and why are you doing it that way? Because we could wait six months and then have to redo it all over again anyway. Or we can just stop you with kind of where you're at right now and and do it the right way that will serve and support your business better. And a lot of times it's mind-boggling to the business owners because 
they've just been seeing things the way that they've been told and that's the way it happens. And you know, this is what I'm capable of doing. And they don't realize that when somebody else is in their talent and in their uniqueness, that things can happen so much faster that it almost seems like magic. Exactly. And you know, what you said just made me think of something. A lot of people, they're, they're wait, they don't want to take the action. They're waiting for all the perfect conditions to exist, which <laughs> never happens. <laughs> you say, well, my kids go to college when they do this, when I, when I have this. And, and even when those things happen, other problems happen. So the best time to get started is now, which is, I think, what you're doing with your clients, saying get started on this now. And they're, they're finding out instead of things taking five years, it takes one or two months. And they're like, wow, how did this happen? Because they're taking action and they're working on the things and they get the things done. So no, that, that's great. You're able to make them look at that and say, hey, you know, why wait? Get started. Work on this now. And great things, great possibilities can uh can happen it's uh it's it's incredible you know when you actually get started on it it's people just tend to procrastinate too much because of their limited beliefs limiting thinking and 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 because you're able to make them to see that they can dream big and realize that they're capable of so much more and and, and i'm sure and, and let me can I ask you when you when you yeah. when you start getting these great results to your clients they, they start saying to yourself wow if i can do this i can probably achieve a lot more so would you is that what happens a lot <laughs> Right. So somebody might go, oh, you know, I, I think my audience would really respond well to say a five day challenge or something like that. And they're going, but I don't know how to put the material together. I don't know where to put the videos. I don't know where to do this. I don't know where to do that. And we're like, can you do it? Yeah, absolutely. We can do that. And and we do it. And we're like, oh, OK, we need a video that explains this, then that. And they go, oh, OK, I can make that. And so we're working together creatively to get the assets that we need done. And the guys in the back, they all happen to be guys at this point, that uh, like doing the the tech stuff, they go do their thing and bam, they're done because they love doing that. It's not that they know how to, just that they know how to do it. They know how to do it and they love doing it. <laughs> so they also have a passion to get it done faster. And then all of a sudden the entrepreneur said, well, well, if I could get that done, <laughs> what else can I do? And then their ideas start churning out because now they start to realize that that magic that they have inside of them, it really is valuable to other people. It really is tangible to other people that other people want to know whatever they've got going on inside. And it can be somebody that's teaching, you know, how to speak from stage, how to, uh, you know, run your business, how to paint your house, how to, you know, win that, that legal battle. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. It's being able to take entrepreneurs so that they can focus on the thing that they do the best and that they love to do when it becomes easy and effortless. No, absolutely. And and that's the thing. It's when you try to do everything on your own, you're just going to be so inefficient doing everything. One of my mentors <laughs> um, taught me, yeah. um, if you don't hire an assistant, you are one. You are your own assistant. But you get assistants, you get people, you get a team to help you. And they focus on doing the things that you don't like doing, that you're not good at. And you focus on the things you're great at. You can make a hell of a lot more money because you're focusing on the things that can bring in the most income, the income-producing activities. When you focus on these little things that don't really produce the income but need to be done for the business, you're wasting a lot of your time. So uh, I, I, think you, I think what you're showing them is that uh, there's a big difference between being busy and being productive. There are a lot of people that are very busy, but are not being productive. And you're teaching these people to be very productive instead of being busy. And the, the stuff that they, the busy stuff, they can just outsource to other people, either a team or a VA, whatever. And they're getting a lot more done. 
and they're making a hell of a lot more money as a result. And one thing that you're doing is, yeah, and you're really acting as a mentor to these people as well. You're you're saving them a lot of the time frame. You're saving them a lot of frustration. You're saving them from the bottlenecks because in a lot of these businesses, you could have probably eventually figured out all these things you can go into, but it could take you five, 10, 15 years. A mentor can, like with you, you can get it done in a few months instead of five, 10 years. So is it worth investing in a mentor if they can save you five or 10 years and you could get it done in two, three months and your business is exploding? And I, and I can tell from the testimonies from the people you work with, the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's super fun. And it doesn't matter if somebody's starting out their business or if they're running a $20 million business, there are still aspects of their business that isn't their mojo. It's not their strength. It's not their area of expertise. And what we do differently is we don't just do projects. We don't just come in and say, okay, how much money can we make off of this project? And then go out. Well, you know, nothing against them because a lot of them will actually deliver very good things. The problem is as soon as they leave, half of it gets dropped because nobody knows how to maintain it or to run it. And we see it all the time. And it's being able to look at a business in its entirety and say, okay, where do you want to go? And how do we actually get you there? As opposed to, yeah, we just want to make a great campaign for this one time. We want to make your business great to your clients all the time because they're always going to be coming to, to you and they always want that piece of you when they want it. And it's important to be able to work with a team that can not only do that project, but then to maintain and to project manage, because a lot of people will go, oh, okay, I'll get a, somebody doing my social media and somebody doing my branding and somebody doing my this and somebody doing that. And they don't realize that somebody still has to project manage that and make sure that they're all working together, which again, still isn't your mojo. <laughs> so you want to be able to hand, not necessarily hand it off, but know that it's in capable hands, get the feedback that you need so that you're working together and the cogs of the wheels are engaging mm -hmm. and moving and you get to do your revenue generating activity, whatever that might be. No, absolutely. And yeah, I like that. Don't focus just on the product. It focuses on the business in its entirety so that it continues on because we just focus on the one project and it's done. Like it slows down, but if you focus on the, um, and the business is hard and it can continue running and can make you know everything's working you know well it's efficiently it's productive it's making money so i definitely like that so um what let, let me ask you about some of the things you work on with your clients now you talk about uh marketing and business automation can you tell us what is the difference between the two absolutely so business automation is the bigger umbrella anything that gets automated within your business lies under the business automation umbrella and that can include your phone systems, your operations, your fulfillment, your manufacturing plants, things like that. Whereas when it comes to your marketing, it's what happens from when you start that lead to the point of making the sale. And then sometimes it can include, or sometimes your systems can then move into your business management. More, Most often they don't. And what we want to do is help people to look at how does it actually fit into it? Because we don't want you to close sales. We want you to open sales. We want you to have a relationship with your customers so that eventually they turn into raving fans and they become centers of influence for you, sending you more and more clients because they love what happens when they interact with you. No, and I, and I like that. Um, I think a lot of business, businesses don't understand. They think like once the sale is made, that's it. 
But if you develop a relationship with them and you're taking care and giving good value, good customer service, and you know, keeping it such and like you said, they become your raving fans. They tell other people about you saying, Oh man, this per- this person's awesome. You should go to them to buy this. And raving because it, it, it yeah, because you notice from you know working all the you know, over two decades, it's a lot easier to keep a current customer than to get a new one. It's a lot more work. It's, it takes five times the effort when you keep the customer and they can and, and they're your best advertiser, the word of mouth. So you know, running ads on Facebook or Bing or Google. You know, you're having them say, hey, she did a great job for me. You should go to her. Um, that's that's like the best advertising. So, um, and here's the thing, happy customers tell everyone. The other the flip side is unhappy customers also tell everyone. So if you if you make them <laughs> angry, they will tell everyone. You can just look at those Google reviews or Yelp reviews, whatever. People who especially when they're unhappy, they tell everyone. So it's another reason to um um uh, you know keep them happy. So follow up with them, check check on them. Um, the most successful salespeople I know all do that. They 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 send them cars. They reach out to them every few months, and they keep just a little. They're on their mind. So you know, they say, "Wow, I haven't bought from this person in two years, but they're still reaching out to wish me Merry Christmas, Happy New Year." Wow, it's uh, it makes all the difference in the world. So having a relationship, yeah. I totally agree, is very important. So that's a uh, that's definitely a great thing. And um, so um, and then. You know, each each business has a different type of audience. So, so you know, I'm starting on my own business. How do I figure out? Because the one mistake that a lot of businesses make is they try to market to the whole world. And, you know, when you market to everyone, you market to no one. So how do you help them break down, niche down to find out their perfect customer? How do you help them with that? Absolutely. So a lot of times people will have an idea of who they want to, who they think are their ideal clients. And at Initially, you're going to have to go out and find those people that you think are your ideal clients and and work with them, market to them, get into sales conversations with them and find out whether or not that in fact is true. Because sometimes we work with people and they think, oh, okay, stay-at-home moms are going to be perfect for this product. It's going to be fantastic. And they find out that six months later, the majority of their clientele are 15-year-old girls. And it's like, well, that's great. So let's make change marketing to 15-year-old girls. Well, that doesn't work because we need them to sign contracts. Oh, okay. <laughs> now we have a business issue where you know 15-year-olds can't sign contracts. So how do we figure out where this is going? And that may be an overly simplified example, but oftentimes it happens that way is the people we think are going to buy our products and services aren't the ones we're doing, or we think I can sell to everybody all the time. So we put out this blanket comments. And that worked in traditional marketing once upon a time, but it doesn't work in digital marketing. Digital marketing is all about solving people's problems and getting to the point of what that issue is. So when somebody goes, even Nike, if you take Nike in there, their logo is just do it, right? So it's all about action, but nobody looks up. How do I take action when I want to run (laughs) digitally, right? They have a problem. Do you sell, you know, for size 11 feet, or do you sell for wide feet, or do you have cushion control, or what kind of runner should I buy when I start running, right? Those are the kind of things that people want to know when they're searching for that product and service. And it becomes important to understand like what kind of issues those clients have. What are they looking up online? What are they either Googling? What are they YouTubing? What are they TikToking? <laughs> Whatever their platform is, their go-to where they start searching. And ironically, I never would have thought this because I kind of thought with a lot of people that TikTok was all about twerking. It wasn't really about finding out information, but they are coming in the ranks behind uh, uh, YouTube, sorry, to 
to find videos to solve their problems that they're looking to resolve. So you don't want to be spending money on TikTok and yeah, uh, yeah, Yahoo and <laughs> Yahoo, YouTube and Google. You want to know where your audience is going because oftentimes those three channels tend to be completely different audiences. Right off the start, they have different age demographics. They have different styles of what they're looking for. And we really want to help people to hone in on that so that they can put a minimal effort out and get a maximum result back always. I like the minimal effort in and a maximum result out of that. And um, yeah, and solve problems. That's what the focus needs to be. And I don't think a lot of people do it. They just say, oh, this is a great product. But if it doesn't solve my problem, I don't care how good your product is. What can it do for me? Can I, I have this problem. Can, you pro, can your product solve that problem for me? And you have to show them how it can. If you could show them that it does, it's going to make all the difference in the world. What are they looking for? Um, you, basically, you got to be like a doctor. You're, you got to diagnose what they have and see what you have can solve the problem for them and make them aware that this is what you need to solve that problem. And you got to know about your own. And, and you're right. Um, it, it, one of the most popular searches on YouTube is how to do this, how to do that. What are people searching all the time on Google, on, on YouTube? How do you fix this? How do you buy that? And and there are lots of people making those videos. Why? Because they know people are looking for them. So that's how they get a lot of business. How they, that's how they get a lot of subscribers. Because uh, how to do this or how to buy that is one of the biggest searches on YouTube. So people are looking for that. All the time. So, you, I, 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 would you agree that one of the biggest mistakes a lot of businesses make is they focus on things that they like that they think people should want instead of focusing on what is it that the public wants? Absolutely, and we affectionately term that uh, mirror marketing. So you're marketing to the person in the mirror, and that is a terrible way to market because you are not your ideal client. Your ideal client is going to be either kind of one step down the rung or one step behind you on the staircase kind of thing, one grade below, because they're looking up to you to try and figure out what kind of information they need in order to make a wise decision. So you want to look at what kind of questions are they asking? And the issues that happen a lot of times is we get so good at what we do that we go, oh, everybody knows this. And then we stop answering the questions that those people are looking for or we think it's kind of silly, like why would a heart surgeon want to do a YouTube video? It's like, well, because people are looking on YouTube to find out, hey, if I have this issue, do I have to have surgery? Why would I have surgery? What are the benefits of having surgery? And you know, a heart surgeon is probably the best person to answer that, not their marketing department. <laughs> it's like, I can market that all day long, doesn't necessarily mean I'm right. <laughs> Whereas, you know, when they hear it from them, then they go, oh, okay. And they know and respect you, and you tend to get better business for that, even though somebody might say, oh, as a heart surgeon, well, anybody with a heart is my client. Kind of, sort of, <laughs> really. I'm, I have a heart. I don't necessarily want to talk to a heart surgeon. Uh, so it's, it's really being able to hone in on that problem as to who is best suited to that product or service and how can you best help those people with their issues and how do you articulate that so that they're flocking to you. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, I like that term, mirror marketing. <laughs> that was that was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and you're right. We we all have a heart, but uh, a lot of times we're not thinking about it unless we start you know, starting some issues with our heart. You know, maybe we get high blood pressure, maybe totally a little bit of heart disease, whatever. You know, if we have a heart attack or something like that, that's when people start thinking about it. Or the doctor says there's something on this, uh, the blood's not flowing well to your heart. Then you start. That's when people start doing research on Google. They're looking at YouTube videos, and if a heart surgeon is doing about it. Uh, doing something about that and they, they wouldn't know because also they, they figured the heart surgery we know a lot better than the marketing department so you know you know so and yeah when i look at those kind of things i'm looking for the person who's the expert if i'm looking up you know vitamins and minerals i'm looking for people who are experts on that because they talk about that um they know it you know they can tell me this this will help me with this this problem or that problem you're right they're looking at it all the time now i want to ask you about uh vas because um you know, a lot of people talk about it. And I know a lot of people use them. I've used them a little bit in the past. So when do you recommend it is a good time for small businesses of VA and when maybe they should use something else, like maybe their own regular staff or automation? So, you know, when do you recommend using a VA and when would you recommend not using one? Awesome. So I love VAs. I think they're fantastic. They're awesome and amazing. And each one of them will have their own specialty of what they happen to be really good at. So some uh, sometimes you can go to another business that hires out VAs and they will have a pool of people that either one specialize in doing a certain thing or two have a variety of them and go, Hey, do you need somebody that does repetitious data entry? Do you need somebody that does travel arrangements and can kind of go through your email and figure out what's going on? So one, you want to figure out what's going on in your business and who do you think would be most beneficial to help you with those things? Most VAs and most VA agencies is, and I the term VA kind of drives me nuts because a virtual assistant is really anybody. Right now, you are my virtual assistant because you're hosting a podcast for me <laughs> to guess. I'm your VA because I'm guesting on your show and I'm doing it virtually. So it's a very grandiose um, title for something that usually we are referring to like an admin assistant or an executive assistant. An admin assistant is very different from an executive assistant in that admins do admin work. They do the data entry. They they will take a ton of repeatable work and get it done faster than you ever could because they can type faster than you. They're more organized in their thinking than you, all of those kind of things. So they're fantastic at that. The issue I see is that people go, oh, I don't want to do this job, so I'm going to hire a VA to do that job. And if that job is your accounting and your taxes, that's a terrible idea. You want a bookkeeper to do your bookkeeping. You want a tax accountant to do your tax accounting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's how that goes down. And I think it's important to understand that if there's a certain job skill attached to that, you want to look at people who think that way, that have that skill set. I am not the person to hire as your VA. Crossing T's and dotting I's, I would rather poke my eye out with a fork. That's not my game. When it comes to strategy of your business, I am there for you. I can see big picture. I can see the opportunities and the, the vision of what might be for you and help you to kind of get unstuck. I'm totally helping you with that one. And likewise, when it comes to automating your tech, you want to look at analytically thinking people. You want to look at people that they love getting into computers and they love talking in acronyms acronyms. I can't even say it and <laughs> can't even spell, you know, SSL. <laughs> those are the people that can spell SSL. Those are the kind of people you want working on those things for you. And I think it's a huge mistake to put your, put your business in the hands of somebody 
that doesn't really understand it. Getting your nephew to do your website for you can be fantastic and awesome. Done is the new perfect. As long as it's done, it's better than nothing. But if you want to be, have opt-ins and you want to have sales off of that page and you want to have, you know, build the million dollar business, you're going to get to the point where, you know, your nephew's probably not going to be the best resource for you, especially if he's going into, you know, become a physicist. <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> you want to look at the, at the people that do that and that specialize in it and can help you to get where you want to go the fastest. And that's a beautiful explanation, but I think thanks, thanks so much for sharing. Now, I want to ask you now about marketing offline versus marketing online. So now with the internet and social media, a lot of people are really big on social media marketing, marketing online. Um, so and it seems like a lot of people are not focusing much on offline, but I also know that a lot of people still use offline marketing and making good money. So you want to talk a little bit about the pros and cons of using both? Yeah, absolutely. So it, again, it comes back to strategy and who you're trying to get a hold of. Because if you know, say, the zip code of people that would be your ideal client, doing something offline right now is fantastic for them. Because when people don't get mail and they're like, yeah, I got a piece of mail. <laughs> awesome. They get kind of excited about it. And they read it whether they want to or not, just because <laughs> the novelty of having something in their mailbox. And an understanding kind of where people are getting overloaded with information and where there's an opportunity to send something exciting. So it can be, you know, as silly as sending people a birthday card and they're going, wow, that was weird. Like it, and it's, it doesn't have to be that they put it on their shelf and it stays there forever. But that moment of excitement of, Hey, I got something from these people. People remember that because that, that is what makes you stand out is that emotional charge that they have in that moment. So it can be hugely advantageous to do that. And sometimes it can be a total waste of money. So you want, to, it comes back to, do you know who your ideal client is, where they're hanging out, what they're doing and, and what do they want, right? Sending a bunch of paperwork. If your clientele are all um, thinking green and trying to get rid of their paper, that's not the best move. <laughs> it's just really not. And you want to consider those ramifications of who you're impacting and how. And sometimes it can be a matter of making certain that people are seeing that message in as many ways that are beneficial to them in a given amount of time so that um, they're willing to make an, uh, a decision on it. So it could be things like putting on a concert in a, in a certain town or city, putting up posters can be fantastic if it suits the environment of that town. If it doesn't suit the environment of the town, don't do it. If you're going to put up posters in New York City, awesome. If you're going to do it in Denver, Colorado, maybe not so much. <laughs> right? So you want to take those kind of considerations into effect as well. No, and you know, definitely you got to know your people, you got to know the customers, know what they want, what they don't like. And then you get, then you figure out whether you should do it or not. So definitely some really great wisdom here. All right. So Michelle, listen, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. You, you shared a lot of great wisdom, a lot of great value, a lot of great tips. I know the people listening to this podcast really appreciate all that you shared today. So I want to thank you for being on the show. And before we let you go, Michelle, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to contact you? 
they can go to awarenessstrategies.com. If they're ready to book a strategy session, they can do that right off the big orange button on the top of the fold of the page. If they're kind of going, I don't know, I, I think I need some more information. There are a ton of fun things that they can do on the website, like a free website audit and and put in their website, it'll give them back a 40, 50 page report on the red lights and green lights and the yellow lights of their website, things that where their traffic is getting to flow, which is great. And uh, things where your traffic's being slowed down, you want to make sure that you take a look at those. And if you have any red lights, you want to address those right away because the gods of traffic are stopping <laughs> your traffic from going through to your website. And you want to make sure that you take care of those things right away. At the end of that, you get to book a discovery call with me. I'm happy to help you out in any way you need to. That's awesome. All right, again, Michelle, thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Have yourself an amazing you. day. You too. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.